The following is a Vintage Quixotic presentation. <laughs> this is a podcast alert. <laughs> the art of enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, 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 this is Brooke, and as always, I am with... Rodney Face. This is the Art of Enthusiasm podcast, a super spontaneous podcast only recorded when we are inspired by something, and this episode is super inspired. So inspired, in fact, I'm not even going home to edit it and put in the music or anything, or take out the racist things we may say, or the bigger things we may say, or the gender-insensitive comments that Rodney may make. And not to mention uh, the pauses. Take out the pauses. What do you mean? The... The pauses. The ums and the uhs and, and the sips of drinks. And There's the gaps, very few pauses. The gaps between the words. Well, I don't do that. Anyway, um, so this is... Um, a new episode, and it's all about... I don't mean to be mean there. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, so this is an episode called Licorice Pizza, what we think of the brand new trailer by Paul Thomas Anderson. We love Paul Thomas Anderson, but we have some questions, we have some worries. First, Rodney, give us a synopsis of the trailer. Literally, we saw it for the first time a half an hour ago and just rewatched just now. That's it. No background info on it. What's our friend Michael Green? Thank you, Michael. He sent us the trailer, so we're the, we're among the very first of maybe ten million to see this trailer. So go ahead. The first thing you see are some young people, and uh, they are they're not uh, strikingly attractive. You know, you get a kind of a you know a derpy kind of unattractive dude, but he's charming and he's got charisma. And you got a gal who's uh, you know she's cute, but she's not strikingly attractive. That's not to say she's unattractive. You know, uh, you know she's a uh, you know, got that kind of a, you know, common girl uh, charm. With a very, probably a very, you know, spot-on, sarcastic, cynical sense of humor that most adults don't even get. Right, but you can tell she's got a good sense of herself and, uh, you know, a strong sense of, of, of character and being, you know, which will amplify uh, the kind of average, you know, appearance into desirability. And clearly they are sort of like the uh, odd couple, you know, uh, I, I get the impression that her parents are, you know, fresh from some other country. And that one scene sounds like the father has, a, has an accent. So likely they frown upon her dating an American boy. Yeah, she, she's the first generation American of probably immigrant parents, probably Eastern European, judging by the accent. Yeah, and she probably st still carries some of the hygiene habits. It looks like she's a little hairy, I think. Oh, I, I didn't notice that at all. I noticed she was a little... Well, like her eyebrows face. were kind of bushy. And this is before Brooke Shields. And she didn't have any eyeshadow on, which is big, like blue eyeshadow, you know. Yeah, but she had a, she had a great nose, and I actually kind of like the eyebrows. Well, it's funny in the in the scene where she says, "Why am I hanging out with so and so and his 15 year old friends?" She really does look like she's about 30, and that would be a much more interesting storyline: the 30 year old girl hanging out with the 15 year old boys. But somehow, I believe she's likely intended to be portraying a 17 year old. Are you, are you saying she she doesn't look a young 30? She looks an old 20. In that particular shot. You look at that particular shot, folks. That's a 30-year-old woman. Anyway, I'm sh sure she's a fine actress. Let's go over what we like or what we are expecting to like and, and what we love about Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson is about my age. I'm 52 years old. But when a dude was 25, he directed and wrote and created one of the most uh, successful and accurate time period theme movies and that was Boogie Nights. Holy crap, do I love this movie. Because not only does it depict the 70s in such a realistic manner, it also introduced at least me to a whole crew of actors that, that went on to become superstars, and I often cite Boogie Nights as being the springboard for Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, help me out here, Ronnie. Um, 
What's his face? The blonde dude. Oh, we're, this is spontaneous, folks. We're we're, we're going with it from sh from Shameless. Oh, the William Don Cheadle. Oh yeah, that's that's where he got his start. That was and it. the dude from Step Brothers that we love. Oh, um, Tom C. Riley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Thank you. So all these actors that I thought that I had never noticed before, I I feel like the springboard for them all. Well, Mark Wahlberg. Right. And William H. Macy, you know, who... Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. William H. Macy. Heather Graham, you know, she uh, she got a lot of face time in that. And that was sort of a, uh, uh, sort of an iffy part in her career, I think. Or I guess that was sort of... That was definitely during her high. But uh, she wasn't given many roles. She had a very minor role in Get Shorty, the TV show recently, which I loved. Yeah, and Paul Thomas Sanders, he's, uh, he's 51 years old now. So when he made that movie, it wasn't... Uh, it doesn't seem like he would have been of an age that he... Uh, you know, was making it from memory, but uh, he might have had some kind of romanticized, you know, idea of about it, you know, growing up not in the 80s. Which I did, too. So when it shows, you know, the, 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 the camera pans around Mark Wahlberg's room and you see the Farrah poster and, and all the, uh, the, the 70s memorabilia, you know, that's the stuff I love. So when you get a movie that's called Licorice Pizza, now if you don't know, Licorice Pizza was a major record store chain, music chain, uh, in the 70s, and when you go buying used albums, even though they're all cleared out now, it used to be that every other record you'd buy had a licorice pizza sticker on it. So I never even got to experience licorice pizza having come from back east. So when I hear that there's a movie called Licorice Pizza based in the 70s, that excites me very much. And knowing that Paul Thomas Anderson's at the helm, I'm thinking, awesome. Then I watched this trailer. Well, besides the fact that the only song, it's a beautiful David Bowie song, but it's not a Bowie song that takes me back to the 70s by any means. I, I didn't get exposed to Bowie until much later. But it's not a song that makes me think, yes, this is the 70s as I remember it. I mean, I get it, but it's only the one song. Fine, that's cool. But let's look at, look at the imagery. You don't see a record store once in the trailer. I, I assume that somebody worked in a record store in the movie, uh, works in, in the record store. Or, or maybe like one of their pastimes is going to Liquor's Pizza to buy records. But there's no hint of it. Well, there's a suggestion that the main male character, you know, is perhaps an aspiring musician. You know, he does say, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, an artist, a creator, you know, a maker. You know, and, uh, you know, so there, there's some suggestion that he's involved in the music industry. That well, there's way. there's a shot of them filming in a car, like, like a, you know, a student production or something, so I think he's probably more likely a filmmaker. But the actor himself, and one of the exciting things about the trailer is that there's none of the old faces, you know, just as Boogie Nights was a springboard for uh, a host of actors, and at least in my eyes it was a springboard, this film appears to be taking uh, new talent and potentially, uh, you know, catapulting them to fame as well. This lead actor, uh, however, he looks to me like the next Jack Black, you know, and, and I don't need the next Jack Black personally, but we have no idea what direction his career will go, but there was at least one scene where his delivery... Uh, it was like straight up Jack Black in my eyes, but he's like the frumpled, you know, pimply faced kid. Um, okay, cool. Uh, you know, and his friends, they all have the uh, windswept, disheveled hair like we did in the '70s. But the '70s imagery, outside of maybe a few bicycles, kind of stops there. Yeah, and in the trailer, the only recognizable actor is uh, Bradley Cooper, who uh, you know appears to be playing a. Chris Christopherson. Which, of course, you know, there, there's a real ironic tie-in because in uh, A Star is Born with Lady Gaga, he plays the same role that Chris Christopherson played in the version with uh, Barbra Streisand. And in the trailer, you hear him, 
you know, asking the kid, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Barbara Streisand, married to her, you know, something to that extent. Yeah, it's funny, like the kid's pronouncing her name, and I always thought it was Barbara Streisand, but I guess it's Barbara Streisand. No. Oh, I don't want Chris Christopherson getting mad at me, or Bradley Cooper. But that, that part looked kind of funny. But what it looks like is a feel-good, coming-of-age film, hardly the type of film you'd expect from Paul Thomas Anderson. Now, that's what it looks like on the surface. With Paul Thomas Anderson, you never know. Especially since the film, or excuse me, the trailer, concludes with a scene of, of the boy and the girl running into each other's arms. It almost kind of feels like you're seeing the whole movie, and at the end, they end up together. But, this is Paul Thomas Anderson, so one of them could have cancer, or God knows what. And I, I think I'd almost prefer that to, it's a happy movie, and they end up together. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the, apparently the, the young male actor, his name is Cooper Hoffman, uh, you know, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, that's how new he is. But um, his appearance kind of strikes me as uh, as a child, you know, meme who uh, is tracked down years later and then interviewed like, hey, how does it feel to be, uh, you know, famous because of that photo that your mom took, you know, back in, in 1997 or whatever, you know, like, like the kazoo kid or whatever. He kind of has that appearance, you know, like, oh, you can see the cute little kid in, the, in that awkward, uh, you know, photo, whatever it is, uh, you know, but not a striking, you know, star face now. The gal, Alana, Alana Haim uh, is her name. Apparently Sean Penn is in the film and Tom Waits too, but you don't see them in the trailer, so we're not getting that. Well, you may. There is an old dude on a motorcycle, and that part was the most intriguing part to me in the whole trailer, where he's like, I'm coming, Nancy! speeding off on a motorcycle. It's like, okay, who's this random old guy in, in the film? You know, But again, Paul Thomas Anderson's last few films, all of his films have been hit or miss. You know, For me, Boogie Nights is awesome. Magnolia is awesome. Hard Eight is awesome. Uh, everybody loved There Will Be Blood. Me, not so much. And then he did another film, I think was also based in the 70s with Nick Cage. I remember nothing about it, but it was nothing to write home about. St. Vincent, right? Wasn't that his work? Yeah, I think he's had like a, a hit or miss career. He did do The Master uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and as great as Philip Seymour Hoffman is, and I love that man's acting, and I R.I.P. Um, Freaking Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix stole the show in that movie. And what, like, what an amazing performance he turned in. But I think maybe with Paul Thomas Anderson's hit or misses, he may decide decide to go for the feel good movie of the winter. Who knows? It does look like a feel good. It looks light light hearted, you know. And you can uh, you can get it immersed in the personal drama of the characters, but you don't have to take it home with you after the movie. Uh. Yeah, but if you're going to set it in the '70s, give me the '70s. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson likely have you know, reminisced similarly uh, about the '70s. And um, obviously, he's a great artist. When he was 25, he did Boogie Nights, and everybody was blown away. Uh, I also hear he's very pretentious in person. Um, I met him once, and you know, it was a night that he wasn't signing autographs or taking pictures. But for me, a six foot five giant who looks intimidating, he did acquiesce and allow me to get a photo with him. And thank you for that, Paul. But other than that, um, he seems pretentious. When you listen to like the commentary on Boogie Nights and. And he's just kissing Mark Wahlberg's ass. Mark Wahlberg's like, I got to get out of here, Paul. I got my buddies waiting. Your Paul's like, wait a minute, Mark. Let me wash your car. Let me wash your car. That was his complimentary phrase. He's like, let me compliment you. I'm going to wash your car right now. Well, Paul, wash the car of your fans from time to time because they're the ones that uh, 
that you know allow you to have the living that you have. I have no idea what kind of privilege you come from, but to be 25 to be making boogie nights, I imagine likely you come from some sort of privilege that most of us don't. And if, if you don't, I apologize. And not that there's anything wrong with that, except in today's leftward, insane society. Right. But, you know, the interesting thing though is if uh, boogie nights and uh, and licorice pizza are now going to be the bookends of his career, at least for the time being. And they're 70s movies, so his, his career is being book, you know, bookended by the 70s. Whereas Boogie Nights, you know, is is people in their their 20s, you know, living a, a lifestyle of excess, you know, pornography, nightclubs, uh, limousines, uh, narcotic consumption, uh, just pure hedonistic excess. Then uh, it looks like Ligger's Pizza, you know, will be the high schoolers who can only dream of being old enough to get into those places, to get into those uh, places of, of, of fantasy, which probably actually are not places of dreams, but of broken dreams once you actually get there. Well, in Boogie Nights 1980, the, the, the coming of the 80s signifies the uh, the broken dreams that are, yeah. uh, you know... You get, you get a murder-suicide. Murder yeah. And, uh, and that kind of actually you know, was a great little commentary because the excesses of the 70s, you know, was... You know the the pre you know Reagan era of the the war on drugs and the pre grim specter of AIDS death that was the 80s. You know so if, you know the uh, excesses of the 70s was punished by you know deadly uh, sexual transmitted disease and now consequences of drug addiction, drug arrest, prison sentences and whatnot. Then uh, New Year's Eve 79 80 was perfectly portrayed by a murder suicide. You know, if you, if it's if it's not going to drive you to kill yourself, it might drive someone else to kill you. And I gotta tell you, uh, in Boogie Nights, Don Cheadle, you know, he's jumping from trend to trend. So in the beginning of the movie, he's working in the stereo store, and he's all into the urban cowboy thing. And you know, he's trying to tell this solid dude a stereo, and he's got his cowboy gear on. It's hilarious. And then when the the celebration, the New Year's Eve party for 1980. He's, he's now he's got like Rick James, you know, <laughs> yes. you, know, you, know like, you know, Egyptian, you know, old Egyptian kind of jewelry, right? He can't find his identity. That's classic Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, you're talking about a multitude of subplots with this great cast. Now, in this film, it looks like we got, you know, in fact, come to think of it, the main character reminds me of uh, Richard Dreyfus in American Graffiti. You know, just sort of the pimply-faced, disheveled, uh, for lack of a better word, anti-hero. So I think we could sum up, potentially, because you never know. You just never know. You, you can't judge a movie from a trailer, but we're just judging the trailer. Uh, I think we could agree that this movie looks like two ordinary kids who consider, could consider themselves or are actually outsiders, you know, in the high school. Like, they don't belong... And they're super smart and cynical to just about everything, but they find each other. And at first, initially, like, obviously the girl is, you know, cynical towards him, but apparently he wins her over, and it's a happy-go-lucky love story. Yeah, I think that's what we're, we can expect. And it gives enough information to maybe infer, you know, if, if when, you know, any of you listeners were in high school and were not immediately part of the in-crowd, you know, but one of the, the sub-youth culture, you know, crowds that, that aspired and hoped to be, you know, popular or make it into the in-crowd, you know, you, you, you tried to date up, you tried to friend up, uh, which meant that your actual peers, your real friends, 
were people that you wanted to snub because they were not going to, you know, excel you in any way. But maybe this movie, you know, kind of gives enough information that maybe it's a story of uh, these people who aren't trying to friend up. Uh, oh, absolutely. They don't. They look like they want nothing to do with the in crowd. Right. They're they going to perhaps excel each other. Uh, you know, not by climbing up anyone, but by mutually lifting each other. Uh, you know, to a to a height that maybe even transcends. You know, po- high school popularity, high school in crowd. Yeah, I mean, uh, these characters look like they want nothing to do with that, and that their independence, which is clear, I, I think, in in the trailer. Uh, indicates that they probably will excel in life, you know, after graduation without being part of any clique, and that's sort of maybe the message. I don't know. It's just a trailer, but mm-hmm. and then you know, something I, I initially pointed out to Brooke after we first watched it was, uh, you know, now you know I'm 46 years old. Brooke's like 49, I think, right? <laughs> you know, so yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it may be very tempting and very easy for people of our age to see a trailer, which is clearly a, a coming-of-age movie, you know, placed in a nostalgic era, and be very cynical about it. Uh, very tempting to do that. But uh, it might be worth holding off on that cynicism. You know, why is that? I, I haven't entirely formulated that idea. But um, no matter what era or epoch that, you know, coming-of-age is, and coming of age is usually teenager. Uh, you know, we, we experience the same things, but just in, in different scenery and different brands. And so maybe it shouldn't be immediately dismissed with, with cynicism or, or, or that, that desire to sigh, oh, God, another one of these. We had this, you know, back in, the, you know, the 90s with SLC Punk, you know. Or we had this back in the early 80s with Suburbia, which actually was the antithesis of a, of a you know, kind of a coming of age. Well, I have a pretty good track record predicting... Uh Storylines or predicting um, the way a film will transpire. When the new Twin Peaks came on, I wrote this elaborate, lengthy blog. You know, will Twin Peaks answer the questions that were left with the original Twin Peaks, or will it, will it leave us further confounded? You know, will it confound us even more and make us think, what the heck is going on? And that's exactly what happened with the new Twin Peaks. So I kind of nailed that one. With this one, I think I'm nailing it. It's it's just a, a, a light-hearted, fun romp. But you never know. And I'm not judging the film. I'm my initial disappointment comes from the title "Licorice Pizza" because that makes me say, "Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, bring on the '70s, baby! Show me the '70s. I want to see it again." And uh, that's not what I got in the trailer at all. Right, but uh, you know, but whose eyes are we going to see it through? You know, these teenagers. So in Boogie Nights, you know, we see the seventies through, uh, you know, people. But it's called Licorice Pizza. Right. Yeah. I want seventies music. I want seventies record stores. Yeah, and you know, record stores were always the place to hang out. Uh, you know, even for me as a as a youth in in the late eighties and early nineties, and uh, you know, I I remember you know vinyl, Licorice Pizza uh, when I was a kid. That was something you know my parents you know listened to. to to, I remember the Yentl soundtrack. I remember Julio. I remember everything being on uh, these big pictorial, uh, you know, vinyl records and record sleeves. You know, for me in the in the 80s when I was getting into my own music, uh, it was already on its way out. But uh, I listened to punk music, which has always been intentionally fringe, desiring of the fringe. And uh, whereas mainstream music artists were not making vinyl anymore. You know, you could always get your punk rock heroes on vinyl. And so there was a little bit of rebelliousness in that. But you also, uh, there was 
almost more attention paid to vinyl releases by those artists. You know, you got booklets about the band. You knew what they stood for, their philosophies, who their friends were, what their everyday life was. You got lyric sheets. You got posters. And the, and the sleeve itself was something beautiful to put on your wall. You know, if you want to see Henry Rollins, you know, smashing a reflection of himself in a mirror, you know, there you go. Hang it on your wall and then wait for your mom to say, like, is everything okay, son? Well, if this movie is going to be a mainstream feel-good f- flick, like I, I think, that I want a mainstream approach. That means, in the background, I want nods or references to Kiss, Star Wars, Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, I want I want a visual feast of the 70s. And that's, that could be a cheap gimmick, but it's set in the 70s, it's called Icarus Pizza, that's what the audience wants. Right, you know, and you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, being 51, you know, he's uh, our age, and uh, so you can ask, you know, why is he making a nostalgic, you know, coming of age flick, and uh, you know, how is he going to repent, represent the the era in which it takes uh, place? Maybe he's of that age, uh, you know, where you feel a certain fondness, you know, for the thing of youth, while also feeling a disconnection to the actual maybe youth of today, because maybe they don't understand or appreciate those things because they haven't been exposed to it, or maybe even worse. They are glomming on to aspects of it, but in the view of somebody that maybe lived through it, are missing the heart of it entirely. And that's also another very cynical and easy uh, uh, pit to fall in. Well, you know, I, I believe that the youth of every generation lives through the same shit, same pressures, same desires. All that changes is what's happening in pop culture at, at the time. And um, another element. Uh, in the trailer that it, it's slight. It looks like there's a very pretty girl. You only see her for a second. I'm going to assume that while he's courting uh, the his co-star, you know, the female co-star, a pretty girl comes along who catches his eye and she may disrupt things, you know, by flirting with him because uh, he may be like, oh, wow, so-and-so is looking at me, you know, and she's in the, like you said, the upper, she's in the, the more popular clique or she's, you know, more attractive uh, something tells me that so she's going to be the sort of second act uh, game changer uh, in the film, where where the the star questions uh, his motivations. I would be very impressed, you know, with Anderson if he took that character instead of using her, you know, as a as a you know a develop you know character development development point, you know, or uh, you know she being the desirable thing once attained demonstrates how actually undesirable that is you know that kind of thing like you don't know how good you have it until you see how bad it can be and how good you think you you know you want it when you get there that actually might be the thing that shows you how bad it really is and how good you had it before i'd be impressed if you avoided that uh you know that that kind of relevant but cliche uh you know characterization well what we don't want to see is toward the end of the film the girl's immigrant parents, uh, you know, get her an arranged marriage, and just before she's about to get married, you know, uh, the young fella breaks in and says, "I love you," and she defies her parents' wishes. You know, that's that's cliche. Why not give us something like, uh, "It doesn't work out between them," and a kid shoots up his school. You know, or <laughs> oh, man, that's dark. But uh, you know, but it's Paul Thomas Anderson. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and hopefully, he gives us a twist. Uh, to the trailer that we saw. It could be. 
You know, but there's one you know element of the of the trailer that uh, you know resonated with me a little bit, and uh, I talked about this with Brooke just a little bit before we started recording this, and it's meant to be the kind of uh, sultry uh, but humorous you know catch in the trailer, and that is a scene where the the main female character in a kind of frumpy uh, white big white collared red dress, uh, you know something that uh, I don't think was was. Very conservative, you know. Yeah. When when your when parents dress their kids well into being teenagers. Yes, some, something a dress that uh, parents would put on their daughter uh, to you know to go to to you know Christmas mass or a Christmas you know song recital or something. Anyway, something that's kind of frumpy. But she shows up at the main character's door, and she says, you know, do you want to see my breast? And he, it was like she's like. Obviously, she was pressured earlier, and she didn't reveal her breasts. Now she runs back. She's like, yeah. do you really want to see him? And she and she pulls down her dress. You see it from behind. So you see her bra strap and her shoulder and her shoulder blades and her back. And he's looking, of course. And then he asks, can I feel them or can I touch them? Uh, to which she promptly responds with a hard smack across the face. And clearly, that's the shot that got the biggest laugh in the test screenings. It got a chuckle out of me, and that's probably the biggest laugh in the film, but you never know. Right. So there's an irony there. You know, may I touch them? And, uh, you know, the answer is clearly no, but how is the, the answer delivered? She touches him hard across the face. But in my experience, and, and I'm not going to try, I don't want to be lewd here, and I want to be respectful, but, you know, we've all experienced this, you know, when, when we were young in high school, or maybe after high school, uh, new sexual experiences with the opposite sex. They were both thrilling and, ex- and ex- you know exciting and also terrifying uh, something that we wanted but uh, you know we didn't know how we would react when it actually happened uh, you know in my experience with that you know you know girls that, that, that I dated that, that I romanticized with uh, there was more of a willingness to be touched than to be seen uh, you know, May I see, can I see your breasts? No, but I'll let you touch them. But I'm not going to let you look at them. Yeah, because everybody has self-conscious tics like that. Now, imagine what it's like today, the thrill of engaging multiple uh, opposite genders, you know, opposite sexes. Wow, you know, whew. That was supposed to be funny. Right, yeah, you know, the, you know, the, the guys are more willing to let you touch their junk than the lady guys. You know, I'm just being facetious, and I'm not. I, I mean, unless you're a guy, and then the lady guys are all for it. Not that I would know, or not that there's anything wrong with that. Anyway, this is just a short, uh, very inspired response to the trailer to the new Paul Thomas Anderson film, Licorice Pizza. So, are we right? Are we assholes? Let us know. And once again, thank you from me, and thank you from Rodney. Peace out, yo. Love.